Well, good morning, City Church. How you doing? Man, I love being here for worship. Don't we have just the best worship team that you know of? It's an extra blessing for you who started the clap over there. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm really glad to be sharing with you today. Uh, if you are visiting for the first time or second, third, fourth, 500th time, welcome. And on behalf of our lead pastors, Pastor Brent and Nicole, welcome to the City Church. Church, can we put our hands together for those who are in the room joining us, as well as those online? Uh, we've been praying for you. We've been anticipating your arrival, you tuning in. Uh, just say hello in the chat if you are online. We believe that God is doing an incredible thing in and through our church. And the fact that you chose to worship with us today to participate in the hearing of the word has come out. How many of you remember this? This is in scripture, that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And so today I have the high honor and the privilege of sharing um, to you for, for more than 10 minutes this time. And uh, if you are here last week, uh, I always lead with this. I, I sincerely believe that we are perfectly placed and that we are perfect, uh, filled with absolute purpose, perfectly placed, filled with purpose. It is not a mistake. It is not outside of the, the view of God, and you are not outside of the reach of heaven this morning. And so I hope that you are incredibly encouraged. Look, if you are visiting with us, uh, we have an amazing uh, city team. Come on, how many of you appreciate the city team here at the church who serves us so well, the ushers and the greeters? Uh, if, if you have extra questions, if there, are, if there are things that you need more information about, please feel free to visit them out in the lobby or in the room at the end of the service. They will direct you uh, to everything that you need, and if they can't, they will find somebody who can answer your question a little bit better. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Calvin, uh, the creative director here at the church, and um, I was asked to prepare and, and to think uh, through a message today, and as I was preparing last night uh, and, and praying, it was at about 11 p.m. last night, uh, that I really felt like I broke through. Come on, how many of you know sometimes it takes a little while to break through, right? When you're prepping, you're thinking like, God, what are you doing? What are you wanting to see happen? What, what are you wanting to say? And, and it was late last night as I was just leaning in a bit. And I've been studying uh, through the book of Isaiah and some of the Old Testament and, and kind of seeing the, the ripples and the echoes uh, of heaven and God at work in the New Testament and just realizing we're in a crazy time right now. There, there's a lot of division. There's a lot of polarization. We have people on this side of that argument. We have people on that side of that argument. We have people on this side of what the Bible says, and we have people on that side of what the Bible says. And, and it seems that we're being further and further pulled apart, and, and that we've lost the sense of unity. We've lost the sense of identity. We've lost the sense of purpose, not just uh, here in this church. We, we do it really, really well. But the church in North America is experiencing a tearing, right? And I don't necessarily only think that it's bad. I think that there are some growing pains that we are going through as a people together and as people that are individual. And, and I really sincerely believe that God wants to speak to your tiredness today. 
and that God wants to speak to some of the disappointments in your life today. As we are navigating the here and the there, as we are navigating the tensions of this side versus that side, and we are trying to find our place, I sincerely believe, as it is told through Scripture, and so therefore I have something to count on, right? Like, we don't know that God is good, and we don't know that He is kind unless we, one, have experienced it ourselves, and until we experience it ourselves, we have to rely on the stories that have been told before we got here, as well as the stories that are shared in the room with one another, right? We are, we are in community, and I believe that when we look at Scripture, and as it echoes all throughout into today, around the people that you know, and through the people that you know, sincerely believe that there is room, and that there is grace, and that is found in a certain rhythm, that God still speaks, and He's just looking for those who are listening. That he still answers big, big, big prayers. And he is just looking for somebody to pray them. And I believe that you are uniquely positioned at this time in human history to join in the celebration of heaven and its advancement on the earth. Come on, how many of you are excited to hear what God has to say to you today? Come on, put your hands together for the word because that's where faith is coming. I want to pray for you um, and for us, because we are together in this, and then we'll dive in this morning. Father, I love you, and I thank you, and I am encouraged and challenged daily through your word and through doing life with others, that even in my tiredness, and even in my doubt, in my wrestle between the here and the there and this and that, that you are good, that you are kind, that you are faithful, that you are full of grace and mercy truth, and I pray as a church today, as we listen uh, to your word, I pray that I would communicate clear enough that it would get beyond me and my tales, but that your word would take root in our hearts and move us uh, to the places that you are calling us, yet still. We love you, we thank you, we thank you for your presence. Where two or three are gathered, you are there, and you inhabit the praises of your people, and so we feel that heaven is up to something in this space. Encourage us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, I've been studying through a ton of different scripture lately, and I keep noticing a, a pattern. I keep noticing a habit of humanity. And, and maybe you have experienced this as a full spectrum, or maybe you're at one step or the other, but, but it is inevitable that we as human beings who are trying to move back into the likeness of God through the, the mechanism called the church, uh, through the, the, the life and the death and the resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus, that, that we are prone to to disappointment. We're prone to disappointment. And we see over and over and over again that disappointment in God leads us to an inevitable thing. Either one, we turn to idols, or two, we turn to Him. We turn to idols or we turn to Him. And I'm not talking about little statues. I'm not talking about um, other gods. What I'm talking about, when, when I say the word idol, as I understand it through scripture, as I, as I see it play out in culture, what we, what we either do is we look to God when we are disappointed, right, when we're brokenhearted, or we look to the mirror. We look to things that satisfy us. That We look to things that speak the language that we speak. We, we look to the things that make us feel comfortable and secure because we have lost trust in who God is. Come on, how many of you have been disappointed in your life? Right? And especially in the church, especially when it comes to God, because we are imperfect people trying to encounter a perfect being, 
a perfect presence. And because of our imperfections, we disappoint and we shortcut and, and we don't live up to the expectations that, one, we have of ourselves, and then, two, what we believe God has called us to be. Come on, you know you've been there. I've been there. Like, God, how many times am I going to wrestle with this thing? Or God, I've been praying and I've been expecting, I've been doing all the right things, but you haven't showed up in the way that I've asked you to. And so in my disappointment, I wander and I wonder, come on, how many of you have ever wondered, is this thing that I'm really hoping for even reasonable? Is God as good as he said he is? Is he as near as he said he is? Because he told me through his word that he's close to the brokenhearted. And I feel devastated for a variety of reasons. Where is he? What I love is that scripture shows us that there are many people that have come before us who've experienced this thing. Whether it's a disappointment in God or, or disappointment in God through people that represent him. That, that we find ourselves alone and seemingly by ourselves. We would find ourselves not as confident, not as cheery, not as hopeful as we once were. And I believe that there's an invitation today for you and I, that in disappointment, that we would get back to the heart of God, that we would get rooted back into Scripture, that we reinform ourselves of who it is that we are doing life with so that we can become a blessing to others as well. Because here's a lie that I, that I really think that we need to guard ourselves from, and, and it's rooted right in Scripture. Hey, you may feel lonely, but you are not alone. You may be by yourself, but hey, good news, you are not alone. And in our culture that, that is wrestling between individuality and individualism, we have to side on the fact that we are part of the body of Christ. Come on, somebody say body. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Say body. Well, we are part of a body, and the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head. And you know what is beautiful? It is amazing. In Scripture, it tells us in Psalm 23 that, that God actually knit us together in the womb. Like he is intimately involved in the details of your life. He knows exactly who you are better than you know yourself. Is that encouraging today? But in our individuality, the Bible says that we've been placed in the cities we've been placed in. I, I talked about that last week. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every nation will be represented. Come on, think about that. Every nation, every language, every person will come to the point where they will confess that Jesus is who he said he was. And so you are beautiful as God has made you. You are as good, beautiful as God has placed you. You are an individual. Come on, how many of you love that you are who you are? But here's the key. And here's the big fight that we see our culture wrestling. Remember, there's, there's this side and that side. There's the, the here and the there. As individual as we are, we cannot submit to individualism because we are not alone. We may be by ourselves and we may be perfect as we are, but we are actually called to be part of a corporate body called the church. We are, we're more than the city church. We are called to the global church as a hands and feet mechanism, organism of heaven walking on earth. Come on, how many of you are thankful that you don't have to do it alone, that Jesus is the one that is navigating, he is the one that is speaking, and he is the one that is moving us to glory and to glory and to glory, to faith and faith and faith and strength and strength and strength. You don't have to do it alone. 
That's the beauty of the relationship that God invites us into. And in this individual, personal thing, as personal as our faith is, it is also for everyone else. And as perfectly placed as I am, as you are perfectly placed as well, and together as we link arms, as we, we, we participate as hands and feet, as we participate as toenails and thumbnails. Come on, how many of you hope that you're not the thumbnail of the Lord, right? Even in that, there would be great beauty, though, no? We are called to togetherness. And I believe there are three things that we need to continue to, to do and three things that we need to, to, to add to our life, to our experience. And, and, and as I was praying, this is what I believe. One, we need to work on encounter. If you're taking notes, just write that down. We need to cultivate encounter in our lives. Number two, we need to cultivate, this, this one's hard. You ready for this one? It's easy. The other ones are easy. This one, this one's hard. We need to cultivate a good Bible habit. We actually, if we want to be all that God has called us to be and move from our individualism that the culture celebrates and invites us into, where we are all by ourselves and it's all about me and my feelings and, and what I want and if we want to move to being a part of the body, if we want to get back in line with who God has called us to be and participate in what he's doing, we need to, we need to, church, cultivate a good Bible habit. Now, here's the thing. The good Bible habit won't save you, but it will lead you to the one who saves. We see that Jesus wrestles with this in Matthew chapter 4, where he goes by himself again. He's not alone, but he's by himself in the wilderness, and he's being tempted in the middle of his fast. He's at his weakest human point up to this point, and he was relying on what the Word of God has informed him of who God is, of who he is, and what he is participating in called heaven. And it's in his weak moments that he's able to draw on and, and really understand who he is and become who he's becoming because he's able to say, no, 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 it is written. I don't have a Bible here with me, but I, ha I have it in my head. I don't have the Torah here. I don't have the scrolls that are available, but I have spent enough time in the word of God to trust his word in this moment, in this season. And I know, although I can get out of here my way, there is something that is greater for me on the other side of this. And it's not my purpose. It's not my blessing. It's not my comfort. It's actually his presence. And I'm going to allow his presence to be with me here and it's going to be with me there. But it is the word of God that gets him through that moment. Come on, how many of you are thankful that the word of God gets us from moment to moment in our times of weakness? Even in our strength. There's nothing more beautiful than when you feel like you're on top of the mountain and you're doing everything well, you're doing everything right, and it's in those moments where you're like, thank God I have this hope. How many of you have ever said something like this? I don't know how they did it without Jesus. Thank God for his presence. Thank God that it's his word that is a battery in our back and moves us to where he's moving us to. Because there are moments in my life where I haven't trusted the word, where I haven't trusted his presence, where I haven't leaned on the habit of my life, or I chose to give the habit of the word of God up. And I find myself here and there and in a ditch. And thank God for his saving grace from there. But how much greater is it to finish the race without looping? How much greater is it just to finish the race at all? It's not always enough just to be in the arena. God has actually called you to be a conqueror in the spaces that he's called you to. 
It's not to be an overlord. It's not to, to exert authority. It's not to be more special than you think you are. But it's in our seasons of wondering and doubting and wandering and disappointment that his word actually elevates us. And people can look and see, that's not normal. Hey, that, that, that isn't how I would handle it. What is going on? And it's in those moments that we become a witness of who Jesus is and invite people into relationship with him. A good Bible habit. If you don't do it already, I encourage you to invest your time, your energy, your resource in getting a Bible, a journal, and spending time with the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. The third thing is this, serving others. We want to escape the individualism of our times and move into a real understanding of heaven and the body of Christ. We need to serve others. We have to do it. When I think about these three things, when I think about why they're important, well, one, when, when you practice Encounter when you practice praying and fasting and worshiping and, and getting into the space where God is actually going to meet with you. It's not just found here on Sundays. Thank God for Sundays at City Church. Honestly, this is some of the best moments I've had with Jesus in terms of a corporate worship experience. Like there just doesn't get many better. It doesn't get better than this in, in a lot of spaces in our country. Can I say that? Is, is that too bold to say? Is that too braggadocious? But what I know is that it's not because there's so much talent here. It's because there are people who practice the presence of God regularly through their week. So that way when they get here, there's an overflow of their intimacy. And we are invited, as El said last week, into the aroma of the broken bottle. Of people who have submitted themselves to the feet of Jesus. And said, use my life and all that I have with it. It is the presence of God encountering him. It, that, that's, that's what allows people all throughout scripture to, to remember, to be reminded by. Because it's one thing to read the word and say, man, that's a great story. But when you can say, hey, I remember when I was broke and I was desperate, when I didn't know where I was going to turn for a meal, where I, I didn't know where the next dollar was going to come, when I didn't know how that friendship was going to get knit back together, when I, when I didn't know who I was because I was wrestling with all kinds of things inwardly and outwardly. But it was the presence of God who got me through it. When you have those moments, when you catalog those things, as Pastor Brandon said a few weeks ago, as we, as we build memorials and remind ourselves of the moments that we personally had with Jesus, it gets easier to follow him when it gets harder to follow him. Because it's not borrowed faith. It's actually moments that we have cultivated for ourselves. Again, remember Psalm 23 says he inhabits the praises of his people. When you feel alone, when, when you feel desperate, when you feel far from God, when you're disappointed in, in what he is or what he is not doing, one of the best practices I've learned is to sing. Turn on a favorite worship song and not allow it to just speak to me, but for me to speak those words out, to remind myself of who God is and invite him into the situation. His goodness and his mercy is found in those moments. In Matthew 18, again, it says, where two or three are gathered. As we tackle individuality versus individualism and remind ourselves that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. As we link arms together, as we call each other, I have one of my best friends in the room and we talk literally every day. And as I do life with this person, as I, as I share who I am and as I am encouraged and encourage him, 
the Word of God, as we pray for one another, as we, we share, we, we grow in strength. Come on, how many of you want to go from strength to strength? Where we, we don't experience atrophy. We don't, we don't miss out on the growth moments in our lives because we are together. As, as we join into city groups and as we join into serve teams, as it's seeing one another and rubbing shoulders with one another and telling stories with one another of God's faithfulness through the week that helps us when we feel weak. And then there are some weeks where we're super strong and then we can encourage others saying, God, we don't have to do this alone. We may be by ourselves, but hey, hey, you are never, ever, ever alone. Here's a catch, unless you choose to be. Unless you choose to be. And I've learned in my life, and I've seen as I've done ministry for many years with other people, that when we choose to be alone, when we choose to isolate ourselves, that we become most susceptible to one, the Bible says, the sin that so easily sets us off, of course, and two, to disappointment. And then it's in our disappointment that we walk away from who God is, even if it's just for a moment, to gaze upon ourselves, and then our narcissism gets the best of us. And when we don't have the phone calls and we don't have the meetups and we don't have the, the check-ins in our life, the more and more and more we, we choose to hide wherever we are by ourselves, thinking that we can just manage it, that we can just work through it, it's going to be okay, it quickly becomes not okay. And the last thought here in terms of serving others of those three want to just make it very clear that you are beautiful as you are. And hey, here's the, here's, here's the real truth that, that I think that we have missed, that, that we've actually walked away from. Some of you, maybe, maybe you, you, you're on one side or the other of this. But, but this is just what Scripture shows me, that God loves you just the way that you are. How many of you are thankful for that? But here's, here's, here's the thing. He also loves you way too much to leave you there. See, it's, it's, it's encountering God, being in His space in worship. It's through His Word that we are encouraged and, and prompted and prodded. It's in relationship with others that we actually do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to spur one another on. You know that? We have to spur one another on to what good works. Not just the things that we do, but actually who we become. There's nothing beautiful about spurring. Now, I'm not an equestrian, right? Like I, I'm not, or I don't even know if that's the right word. But I'm not a guy who loves horses. I don't ride horses. Um, I don't even watch it at the Olympics. And, you know, maybe you do, but that, that's cool. The horses, they're just not my thing. But when I think about spurring, I, I'm reminded because of the NBA, God bless the NBA, that there's a team there in San Antonio, and they got this jagged-edged metal round disc. It's got spikes all over it. And that spur is supposed to be attached to a shoe, and the shoe of a rider of a horse. And when the horse isn't going where it's supposed to go, and it's not going the speed that it's supposed to go, the rider gives it a kick. And I, you know, how many of you... I think that's a little aggressive. <laughs> Get where you're supposed to go. Stay on track. You're going to the left. You're going to the right. You got to. We as believers, as the body, are to, to inspire 
one another, not just in nice thoughts, but sometimes a little kick. How many of you are thankful for somebody who gives you the little kick in your life when it comes to faith? Hey, you're not praying. You are not fasting. You haven't attended church. You haven't served. You haven't been investing in the kingdom. You have become disappointed. And instead of looking at Jesus, hey, stop looking at yourself. Get back on track. How many of you are thankful for that person in your life? We got to spur one another on. Because if we don't, we are prone to do what some of the greats in Scripture have done. The Elijahs. The Elishas. The Samuels. The Davids. The Solomons. The disciples. I'm not just saying male names because those are the only ones. There are tons of women in Scripture. Except here's the thing in Scripture. They usually do amazing. Like better than the guys. <laughs> They're just more examples of what not to be like in Scripture from these great ones that God has allowed us to learn from. When we think we're by ourselves, we, we become desperate, but God always pushes us. He always pushes us towards others. It's in serving that He reminds us of just how good and how kind and how perfect that He is. This isn't a plug for serving at the City Church. This is, this is a real thing of discipleship. And can I tell you this, that there's nobody in scripture that I can see that was discipled by themselves. Like discipleship demands, a walk with Jesus demands that we do relationship with others. Jesus says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So yes, as much as there's an ethic of loving one's self, if you stay by yourself, that's individualism. But your individuality is the thing that's going to break through to different audiences that other people can't reach. There are people that Pastor Brent can't reach. There are people that, that the people beside you can't reach. The things that you love, the things that you're invested in, the things that you're interested in, the things that you're gifted at, those individual things invite you into audiences of your life because you are the center of the universe. And I don't say that selfishly, and I don't say that to pump your pride up, but you are literally at the center of the universe that you've been placed in, and there's an audience for your life, and the demand is to stay low and look high, to walk with humility, and understand who God is, and understand who you are in relationship to one another, so that you can invite people that don't know him yet into that very same presence that defines you, that transforms you, that reminds you, and pushes you, spurs you on to great relationship with God, hey, if you're doubting today, and you're disappointed today, and if you find yourself lonely today, it is absolutely okay. And God loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Grow and choose growth. One thing that we're also seeing is that the grace that we love for ourselves, we don't necessarily give it away too easily. Right? Come on, you've seen the, the arguments on Facebook. You've seen the criticisms on Instagram. Cancel this, cancel that, get rid of them, get rid of them. I'm not here to have that kind of argument. But what I do believe is that as we continue to do relationship with one another, it gives us proximity. And it's in proximity that, one, we know the heart of those people. Because how many of you know there are people in your life that are absolutely so annoying, but you know they're really good? Like, you know that they're so annoying, you can take a bat to them at any moment, any day. They're usually our siblings, Right? Or our parents, but we, we're not allowed to say that. Right? <laughs> but it's with proximity, it's in relationship with people that we actually have a ton of grace 
for them. But when we don't know that person, it's so easy to judge the things that they say. It's so easy to misunderstand. And, and without ever trying or attempting to, to, to get to know them in order to know what's happening, we just throw stones and we lob insults and we delete and block and we, we argue and we choose to not do life with people, but we actually choose to abuse them. We actually don't invite heaven into a context of our lives. We, we, we perpetuate hell. As uh, Luis comes back up, I, I want to share a story, again, in, in cultivating the presence of God, knowing his word and serving others, that we actually get to help those champions that are all around us be reminded of how good God is. Are you still with me this morning? I hope this isn't too much. I hope it's not too here or there. I just believe that there's a lot of people in the room with a lot of different understandings, a lot of different experiences. There are a lot of people watching today and later that are going to encounter disappointment. I need you to know that God loves you right where you are. But he loves you too much to, to leave you there. And that the key of moving forward and the key of understanding this goodness and this grace is actually to locate the sound of heaven to locate the heartbeat of heaven, to find that rhythm that pushes us to his presence and brings others with us. You know, a few years ago now, probably seven or eight years, I got a chance to spend some time at the L.A. Dream Center. Anybody ever heard of that place? I got to spend a week, and um, at the time I was just a junior high pastor in Brampton, and uh, I went to go down to L.A. with our uh, missions team. And it was my first missions trip experience. Well, I'll say that five times fast. That's a bit of a tongue twister. My first missions trip experience. And I love that I went to L.A. for the first time because I got to understand that God actually functions in spaces that look like my own. I was already on mission. I was already serving local church. I was serving the community. We had tons of kids in our camps and in our, our youth groups from the neighborhood and all around. And I got to participate in an amazing legacy here. But it was in L.A. that I, I broke through and realized God is good everywhere. And that he's always up to something. And that the invitation is not just for myself to experience and know him, but it's to share it with people who literally cannot see and on this missions trip, we, we did all kinds of runs into Compton. Can I just tell you that it's way worse than hip-hop makes you feel about it? And I got to see this beautiful group of people who found two things, two statements that got in them. One, there's a cause within me. Two, start with me, God. There's a cause within me. There's something in me that God is up to, and there's something that he's doing in this world that I'm supposed to participate in, and God don't let somebody have to beg me and don't let somebody else have to start it. Let me do it. Why? Because I know your word and you want to advance the garden. You want to advance the kingdom. You want me to lean into who you are and to make you known. We were doing grocery runs and doing all kinds of visitations. It was very practical. We were bringing beds to people so that their kids wouldn't be taken from CAS, and we were bringing groceries and diapers because, you know, babies need those things. And we found ourselves in neighborhoods that were broken and upside down, and also in other neighborhoods that didn't seem so bad. But as you knocked on doors and as you begin to have conversations, you just realize that people are hurt and people are disappointed. And Jesus reminds me in this moment 
that giving a cup of water in his name invites his presence. But it also is you participating in what he's up to. It's not just about you and doing nice things, that he's actually on the move and he's inviting us to extend who he is. And so we need to know who he is. We have to understand that there's a difference between the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of flesh of individualism. And I remember going and serving at one location that I didn't really want to serve in. You guys know those ones, right? It's usually parking. <laughs> you're not laughing because you're like, I don't want any parking. It's terrible. And I show up to this park. And at this time, again, I'm a, I'm a junior high pastor, but I don't like little kids. Like, they're not my favorite. Uh, I've grown out of it. I have nieces, and they're wild, and they're, they're, they're growing me in grace. But I just don't like the little kids. They're, they're, they're too, too demanding. Like, just go make yourself a sandwich. Why are you telling me you're hungry? I don't know. It might also be why, you know, I'm not married and I don't have kids yet. I don't know. <laughs> we get to this park, and what we learn is that this is not a very safe neighborhood. Anything can happen at any moment. And what the volunteers do, or the, the people of the kingdom of heaven do, is they recognize that this is an issue, and they go and they put on blue shirts and build a wall. And they create a safe after-school environment while kids get dropped off off the bus and wait for their families to pick them up. Because no kid should be walking home alone in the best of neighborhoods. And I realized, I don't really want to be here, so I went and grabbed a basketball. Like, I don't want to play at the park with kids. So I grabbed a basketball and started playing basketball by myself. I mean, you've been there, right? I'm bouncing the ball and shooting hoops and... You know, just kind of fooling around like super selfish. I'm disappointed. This isn't the mission strip that I wanted to be on. This is not the ministry moment that I was looking for. And I had things going on back at home, and I, I was confused. And I said, you know, I'm just going to choose to do me right now, and I'll wait to serve later. I'll wait to lean into what God has called me to do later. I'm going to do me. Start dribbling the ball, and you know, all the kids are running around and playing, and this one kid runs up and he grabs the ball and he just locks it. Like, just throws it as far as he can. Like, this is why I hate kids. <laughs> I go and I get the basketball again and I'm like, not cursing it with my mouth, but in my head, I'm like, I hate you, stupid kid. So I'm dribbling the ball, kids are playing, but he's just kind of by himself. Nobody's really looking out for him, nobody's participating with him, he's just standing there runs up, steals the ball from me again, and just hucks it with all of his strength. And then he laughs, like big belly laugh. He's got so much joy in this. And I'm like, I cannot believe this kid. I'm going to punt you like you're the perfect height. Come on, you've been there. You've been there. I get the ball, seething now. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. This kid's annoying me. I'm being a big baby. Start dribbling the ball again. This kid just turns around and he looks at me. He runs over again, throws the ball. Now I'm ticked, like so, so, so mad. This is the worst trip of my life. I don't know for whatever reason God allowed me to, to see the kid's eyes. He just invited me in a moment to see him the way that God sees him. And I noticed that his eyes are gray. I find out that the kid is blind. So I've been avoiding, cursing, <laughs> and wanting to kick a blind.
blind kid. It's not the greatest moment of my life. Like, sincerely, he was blind. And I realized in that moment, he's finding joy in the sound. He doesn't know what he's throwing. He doesn't even know how to play basketball. He's never seen it. But while he's being avoided by the rest of the people in the park, he's picked up on the sound of something that is beautiful. And me, the grumpy youth pastor, not hanging out with youth, am the one who gets to participate and facilitate an amazing moment. And I realize, oh, he's attracted to the ball. So then I'm testing this theory out and I start bouncing it here and he runs over, he grabs it and he throws it and I'm not mad anymore. I'm just like, yes, I figured it out. And then I get it and I, I, I run over here like super stealthily because they told me that blind people can hear better, right? So then I start bouncing the ball here and he's running and he grabs it and he throws it and then I, I, I get it over here and I start bouncing it and, and he runs up and then he trips because he's, he's blind clips the edge of the sandbox and bam he hits the ground and I throw the ball and I run over and I care for him and I said maybe we shouldn't play basketball in a park where there are kids running around and you can't see anything so then somebody yelled out hey he, he likes the slide so like, how's he gonna get up the slide he's blind so I bring him up the park and he starts sliding down and I'm starting to make noises to help him know where he's going so I don't have to carry him everywhere because that just got uncomfortable and annoying why am I saying all of this? When we can hear the voice of God, and we can hear and see what he's up to, it invites us into a space where we can facilitate spaces where people who can't see him yet, or ever, get to participate in the joy of what is happening around them. Hey, hey you are perfectly placed and you are perfectly filled with every good thing that you need to see God move in a powerful way. You're perfectly placed. You're purpose-filled. I hope this message resonated with you today. I hope this isn't just a lofty thought and that it lands and that you, you sit on it for the next week and then you, you really consider, God, am I practicing your presence enough? God, am I, am I in your word enough? Not just to encourage me, but to, to make it available for others. And God, am I choosing to participate as your body or am I choosing to stay alone and by myself? There are so many Ryans in this world. You work with them. Hey, you live with some of them. You're in the room right now and maybe you feel like you're a Ryan and I can't see and I can't feel and I don't understand what I'm participating in. And maybe I'm disappointed that God hasn't showed up. and Maybe I'm disappointed in people at church. Maybe I'm disappointed and frustrated and my heart is broken and I don't really know what to do. And I find myself alone and in caves and wandering in the wilderness and I don't really know what God's word is saying. I don't really know what his hope is for me. And I, what I need is his presence and what I need is a word from heaven those are good things and we're going to pray for that but hey church can I just challenge you and encourage you strengthen your resolve today would you lean into relationship with one another would you lean into spaces that maybe you don't even look forward to participating in but you choose to serve why because it's a kingdom ethic not because the city church demands it not because it's a nice thing to do, but it's actually because you want to make known the audience of your life. Make 
known to them that Jesus is alive and that he is real and that he's on the move and that he meets us in doubt and he meets us in desperate moments and he meets us when we don't feel like we can go on anymore, that the Bible's filled with prayers and encouragements and hey, remember, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you're like, I got this figured out, but maybe you don't. Maybe you say, I haven't been walking at all with Jesus. I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's okay. There's grace for both of us in the room today. And I just want to invite you to close your eyes and I'm going to pray a prayer and we're going to end here. But there is an invitation today to know him and to make him known. in the room today and you say, hey, I I got some growing up to do. I, I don't know Jesus or I've known him for a long time and kind of lost track with what he's calling my life to, to represent and to be. I've been disappointed. I've been heartbroken. I've lost trust in God and in one area or in every area of my life and I just need help. I just need to feel his presence. Before I can get into the word, Calvin, I just, I need to know that he loves me. I need to feel that he loves me. That's you. Could you just throw your hand up? I need to get back to the presence of God. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do next. If you're online, you just right where you're sitting. You can put your hand up too. God, I pray for these ones. That your tangible presence would be felt. Your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Your word says you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. Your word says that where two or three are gathered, you are there. Your word says that where two of us agree on something, you're willing to do it. And so together as a church, we believe and pray that you will facilitate in an amazing moment for your child. You see them just as they are. You love them just where they are. You love them so much, you're going to keep moving them forward. We thank you for that. Maybe say, hey, Calvin, you know what? I need to get back into the Word. More than that, I need, I need to lean in and begin to serve. Again, not because the city church demands it, but because it's the kingdom ethic. Because discipleship cannot be done alone. I need to be in relationship with others and participate in this beautiful thing called the church. But I just, I'm hurt and I'm tired and I've been burnt and I can't trust I need God to do a miracle in my heart so that I don't miss out on what he's up to because I don't want to be left behind. I want to go where he goes. That's you. Could you just throw your hand up and just be honest in this moment? God, I pray for those that have been hurt, who've been frustrated, who've been disappointed, who've been burned. For those who've been burnt out. Oh, your goodness and your mercy. They follow you. As we follow you, we get to pick up those pieces and live in that blessing. I pray for a renewed trust, strength, and courage. I know you're willing and that you're able, and I've seen that work in my life. That as I lean into what you're up to, great joy is added where I can't add it for myself. I pray that everything that we've talked about today, that it would encourage us and strengthen us and move us to greater moments. In Jesus' name. Hey church, I hope that you enjoyed your time today. There's a lot that I said, and it wasn't without purpose, and it wasn't without preparation.
I hope that some of these things have landed somewhere in your life, but I challenge you to think about these things and water these things this week. Practice His presence. Get into His Word. And don't ask, should I serve? Ask, where do I need to serve? Maybe it's in the places that you don't want to go yet, but you will find His heart there, and you will become excited when you see heaven come alive in people's lives that you're hoping will meet Him. It doesn't happen without us walking hand in hand together. Here's my last prayer for you today. It's out of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What you do with him is never wasted, and neither is any moment that you are walking with him. Grace and peace to you. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. Give somebody a high five while you're in the building, and do whatever you would like to do, hugs and all that stuff outside. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you again next week. Pastor Brent will be back. He's starting a new series called Something Fresh. <laughs> it slipped my brain. I don't have it in my notes. You're amazing. Stay amazing. Go practice the presence. Get in your word. And serve somebody this week. In Jesus' name, amen.